I'm actually going to just go down to the bottom. <laughs> I'm probably going to just go down to the lower level and find hey, an NPC. There you go. You see what I can get in. I'm hoping the tickets we got for the night are uh, pretty bougie. I'd say you got some pretty good ones if I know where they come from. I'd say about buddy. four rows up yeah. mid track. Hey. If there's a tire that comes off, I want to be ducking. <laughs> Listen, man, I was there for that. We're, you uh, me and you me, were there. Yeah, yeah. That's why Michaela won't go to one anymore. Yeah, yeah. We were set. <laughs> we were in second level, and that thing came off. But we <laughs> not were, even on the end though. But. No, we were at the end of the track. But on the opposite side, like if you were going down the track, so it was on the left, and we were sitting on the right. But uh, I mean, I can still remember jumping out of my seat, like, "Oh crap, <laughs> here it comes!" I mean, it just snapped right off. All the, that, all the lug bolts just that, there. Uh, the cameraman had it. he he was recording. He was there for the every last uh, second of it, and he finally he finally dodged it. I, I bet he messed his pants. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like, "Oh, this ain't actually happening." <laughs> so, well, anyhow, I guess we'll get into today, and we'll. Just get right into it. Welcome to another episode of On the Fender. I am your host, Mr. Colt Bitzer, here with my co-host, Gavin Davis. Gavin, how you doing today? Living the dream. How are you doing, Colt? Oh, you know, the sun's shining. It's a little cold this morning, but I think it's going to be a beautiful day, and I'm excited for it. And uh, you know what's special about the day, Gavin? What's that? We've got us a bona fide guest speaker here with us today. Our first one. First one. Shoot fire. Yeah, yeah. So... Without further ado, Mr. Jonathan West, we appreciate you uh, joining us today for an episode of On the Fender. And uh, if you don't mind, just introduce yourself. Well, Colton, Gavin, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, excited to be the first um, guest on Off the Fender. Um, off the Fender. <laughs> on the Fender, my Golly, God. all right. We're going to fall off uh, the Fender. You're, you're done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm done. That's, a good That's what we get for having guests on. Yeah, 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 yeah pretty yeah. much, pretty much. I'll tell you what. I won't hold it As Gavin you. would say, it takes a big dog to weigh a ton <laughs> and a bigger dog to take it down. And I think this dog just broke the ice. But anyways... Uh, <laughs> that makes for good uh, That makes for good content. That, anyway, that's funny right there. Uh, Jonathan West. Um, I live here in Springfield, Kentucky. Um, grew up on a uh, family farm in southeastern Kentucky, um, raising beef cattle. Um, small grains such as uh, corn and wheat, um, hay, and uh, background in some cattle and family raising some purebred. Um, Charlotte cattle that um, we've shown and marketed um, primarily across the uh, uh, the southeast of the U.S. here. Um, after high school, went to the University of Kentucky, um, graduated there with a degree in agriculture education, spent two months over in the uh, great country of Australia, student teaching there in, uh, just outside of Sydney in a small town called Bathurst. Um, got the opportunity to do some pretty cool stuff. Got to fit some calves over at the city royal, that kind of stuff. Um, come back to the U.S. and uh, graduated. Then went straight to work at Western Kentucky University. Um, and then from there, um, accepted a job with my current employer. Um, and then while there, finished up my master's degree um, at Murray State. Um, Go Racers. Live in, uh, live in Springfield now, like I said. Um, with my wife, and we have a seven-pound, uh, seven-pound little dog named Fliss that we love dearly. Um, still own some cattle and aspiring to to purchase some real estate 
um, just not for $10,000 an acre. So if anybody knows of any in the Springfield area that's tillable for not 10 grand, um, just give me a shout out. I'd love to take take a look at it. Uh, hey, you know, Jonathan, uh, people are probably saying, I wouldn't give 5,000 an acre like, a few years ago and look at it now. So uh, you might need to just shit or get off the pot. Well, I, I tell you, I was that guy that said, I'm not paying 5,000 an acre <laughs> four, three or four years ago. And uh, I'm pretty sure my balance sheet and solvency probably would have doubled if I'd have just bought it. But, yeah. um, you know, I guess that's just one of the unknown market cycles that, that we don't see and, and understand. And, you know, hindsight's always perfect vision. So uh, I guess the timing just wasn't right. But Well, that sounds about like uh, me and Gavin's uh, drone investment idea. We're about three years too late because three years ago, we all thought that was the craziest thing and it wasn't ever going to work. And look at it now. Now, I still... I still think. We well, I'm just going. If I had a hundred grand laying around, yeah, we'd go in business. We'd go in business. I think we could be successful with it, but I agree, we're probably three years too late. There's a. It was crazy. We went to the farm machinery show, and there's six drone booths probably up. Where two years ago there wouldn't have been anything out there. Company's been doing it all that stuff. So a little late, but. Well, story of our lives. It's okay. Well, Jonathan, we appreciate you hanging with us today on the fender. And uh, just to give the viewers an idea of kind of how this comes full circle, uh, me and Gavin work together and we kind of work with Jonathan too. Um, not side by side in the same office. Jonathan's kind of out on the field making the dreams and making the things happen. And um, we're there telling him yes or no. So I was going to say we're crushing the dreams sometimes. Yeah, sometimes we're crushing the dreams. Not be very bad thing. I, I tell you right there, sometimes things just shouldn't happen. I'd probably crush our drone dream if I came in to get that financed. I would, so. I would be concerned if I looked at my financials and somebody said they were going to do a drone. Uh, <laughs> making a lot of noise over there, Gavin. I'm making noise? With your finger and your ring uh, on the metal chair. Oh. Uh, Oh, now give me a lot. You you making me work whenever I have to edit these podcasts. I sit here and I don't sit still very well. Well, you got your honest. coffee cup. Yeah, I got my coffee cup. Well, and I'm I'm full of a couple, couple cups. Well, of coffee that's already. Just, so well, I was going to tell you something. We don't take bathroom breaks here, so yeah, I don't need one. All around right, caffeine. This is normal. Okay. Yeah, I'll right. be fine. Well, that's good. But uh, no, I'm sitting here running on. Oh gosh, I'm getting a phone call from that stupid. Car salesman. Oh my! Well, that's what you get for putting your information online for a car sale. I, I, are you going to buy a new car, Gavin? Not a new car. My wife needs a car. I, I feel like that it's a very fitting time in our, uh, you know, with our current employers' uh, uh, pay set up for you to be looking for a new car. Gavin. Isn't it convenient. It's it, very, it's very convenient. convenient. Very <laughs> convenient. Well, with that being like, said, my wife thinks we need a new car too, and uh, I ain't too keen on the idea. I think we ought to wait till fall and maybe. Some more money will run out of people's pockets, and maybe things will be. That's cheaper. what I'm honestly hoping for. I I just don't want to buy a car now, but well, I got to add it up the other day. It's gonna be like five hundred dollars a month. I'm like, holy shit! Well, I can't Not do cheap. that. Hell no! Not cheap. Well, I just paid off my appliances. I just want to find another. I drive a 2012 Honda Civic, and I'd love to find a twin for my wife. That way, if something goes wrong, I can take a part off of one. That'll be so cute. That's the most old farmer thing I've ever heard come out of anybody's mouth. I tell you what, I need something new, but instead of buying something new, I'm going to buy another one of what I got. Set hey. back swap parts back and hey, forth. I, I, I'm going to tell you, though. That's what I try to tell my wife. And 
I said, honey, I got you a twin tractor. I mean, we mean you can twin it. I'll even drive the old one. Your alternator, she, she your alternator goes out. I got a used yeah. alternator with 6,000 hours on it. Here we go. Yeah, buddy. Save that yeah. $76 to the auto zone. Heck yeah. Let it roll. Hey, I'll tell you what. I think those old farmers are pretty wise. So if they're sitting there doing it, I'm okay with that. I mean, it ain't a bad idea. Problem is, the problem is always you need both of them, so it never I can't ever swap parts. That is out. the tough part. The worst part is I bought mine three years ago, and paid like seven grand for it. And to get one that was like the same year, with the same miles on it, but three years older because it's a twenty twelve, and we're three years in the future. It's twice the price anymore. I'm like, that's ridiculous. So I'm sitting here, and I, it's hard for me to stomach paying seven grand for a car, fast forward three years, buy the same car, and pay twice as much. Well, you know what that sounds like? Sounds like that $10,000 an acre real estate. It is about like yeah. Inflation, my friend. Inflation, yeah. my friend. Kind of like those $4 dollar dozen eggs that we had to buy. Hey, not everybody's got to buy them. Hey, yeah. If you're smart, you got the chickens a year ago. Well, you, you are smart. I don't know how smart I am. We is, talked but... about it last time. I haven't made any money on those chickens. <laughs> I told you because you ain't capitalizing. You're being Mr. Nice Man, giving them away. I know. I know. That's, That's okay. I, I probably do the same because honestly, who the hell's going to buy my dozen eggs? Probably. <laughs> The uh, the tough thing is too with the chickens is we talked about food so yeah and right now mine aren't being too nice to me they're sitting there they said it's cold outside it gets dark early they're not laying eggs like they should you know what I not to get on the chicken subject but just real quick before we actually get to what we're here to talk about I kept seeing you know we talked about last time all the videos you see well I keep seeing stuff online all the time about people got in this conspiracy theory that somebody was putting something in their chicken feed huh? to make the chickens not lay eggs. Yeah, they were they were talking about, well, I'm feeding this brand of food, and then I switched to this brand of food, now they're laying eggs. They're what doing something. Dark it, corners it, on the web, do you find your site cold? No, this was on Facebook, that TikTok. Is. No, I'm being <laughs> dead up serious. This, is how, this is how stupid people are getting, and I'm like, well, it might have something to do with being winter time. Nah, no, nah, we'd rather think a, that the, food added. The, 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 the feed companies are out to get us. They're, they're <laughs> causing the, the egg shortage over here. So anyhow, I just thought I'd throw that out there. But anyhow, Gavin, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about our topic today. And I, I think we can, let's hope we stay on topic. I know that's not usually our thing, but I think especially with having Mr. West here, we'll, uh, we're on a pretty good, pretty good topic to talk about today. Well, I'm excited. I've already learned a thing or two about old Jay West. I didn't know he spent time in Australia. Went out there, worked at Western Kentucky. So I, I kind of knew about the beginning stuff and knew about where he's at now. But I'm excited. I bet he's got some stories I hadn't heard before. So hopefully he breaks some of those out. We, we definitely have some good good stories from across the seas and, and we'd be glad to share them. Hey, is there, is there seasons opposite of ours? They are. So I think in the wintertime, we'll just need to start going out there and fitting some cattle. Hey, that when there that, ain't much going that on would, here. That would be all right. So uh, pretty pretty fun story for you. Um, the Sydney Royal over there is kind of like the North American International Livestock Show over here. Um, and uh, go over there, and, and there's, a, um, there's a, a few big, they call them studs over there. They're ranches here, studs in Australia. Um, and those guys over there, you know, sometimes they'll fly in some Americans to fit their cattle if they've got an American judge. And so we're over there with the schools and we're walking through the barn and um, this guy stops me and um, 
he says, hey, man, he said, I heard you're from the States. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, can you fit? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm all right. And I'm definitely not, like, <laughs> good when it comes to fitting over yeah. here. I mean, like, I'm definitely, like, fitting the offside front or back leg. Like, that's that's me, you know. Yeah. And so I go over there, and this guy's like, yeah, man, like, I'll, I'll pay you, like, 400 bucks a day. And I'm like, <laughs> my eyes lit up like a Christmas tree, which, you know, the, the dollar conversion is not exactly the same. So, yeah. I mean, just say 250 bucks over here, you know. I'm a broke college kid yeah, in Australia living off my Discover card. I'm like, 250 bucks. Like, yeah, heck yeah, buddy. So we go over there and start fitting, and he's just like, here, you can just do whatever you want. And so um, I'm like, all right. And so just go to fitting and and these like next thing I know these guys are standing around me watching like you're like man how did you get so good and I'm like dude I'm not good <laughs> like y'all need to go learn from somebody else like I'm I'm not good um, but uh, yeah that was that was definitely pretty fun to to get to go do that and um, you know I had to do a few things that I'd probably never do again like sleep in the barn um, huh. with the cattle I, I I'm not too keen on that I, what was why'd you have to do that that's what the schools did oh. um, that we were with so. Huh. Um, to, I guess to save money and um, so the way the way that the youth uh, livestock shows work over there is most of the time they're all with the schools mm -hmm. so it would be kind of like if Bull and East had a show cattle team huh. you know or Spencer County instead of MK Livestock you know yeah. when Colt Michaela decided to pop out a future showman uh, <laughs> so uh, you know that's that's definitely unique in that sense there um, got to go out on some on some really really big farms. Um, got to ride in one of the uh, uh, one of the cotton harvesters out in the western part yeah. of Australia. Um, so that was pretty cool because um, most on all their irrigated land over there, cotton was their um, was their commodity of choice to grow. So um, pretty neat to see all that stuff. Water rights is huge over there, um, primarily because of the lack of water. Um, but the, I mean, the people are just phenomenal, just yeah. phenomenal down home, um, good, good people. And I'm still keeping contact with several of them. Um, there was a family that, uh, we stayed with over the Easter holiday that came over a couple years ago, um, was able to, they own a trucking company. So we actually got to take them to a tractor pool. Um, so that's probably a pretty cool segment into what we ought to talk about next, but, uh, you know, if, if you've never been to a truck or tractor pool, you should definitely take some Australians that's never been to one before. Uh, I say that's a hoot. It, it was awesome. So, like I said, they own a trucking company over there in New South Wales, and, you know, they've got all the semis and got to uh -huh. ride with them and stuff. Um, but, yeah, to see those 10,000-pound tractors light up the sky with smoke, yeah. I mean, you, you would have thought that, you handed them $2 million cash. I mean, they were just like, oh my, this is awesome, mate. You know? <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it was, it was just fun. And, uh, I think they'll, they'll probably come back over and, um, you know, the highlight of the dad's trip was getting to drive my F-350 because over there, you know, like their big trucks are like Ford Rangers or Toyota oh, Tacomas. Really? Yeah. Hey, wasn't it, I it's over there, that. uh, a lot of their stuff's diesel too, isn't it? Most not much gas. Of Most of all of it is diesel. Yep, yep. Um, one of our fraternity brothers in college, um, Tyler Marchek, went with us, 
and uh, the teacher he was placed with had a diesel uh, Toyota Land Cruiser and filled it up with gasoline. It cost him like eighteen oh, grand to get it fixed. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! Wait, the teacher did or the, the Tyler? No, did? no, no. The teacher did. Mark Tech's oh, a little uh, smarter than that. Yeah, that's good. That's, uh, shout out to Tyler there. He's in the same uh, in the same business that we are up in. Uh, is he? Delaware, I don't even know. I know he's from Maryland, but I don't know if that's where he moved back to or not. But yeah, good guy I, right I, there. Uh, I see him on Facebook, but I don't ever. I'm terrible about remembering things. For sure, but for sure. Anyhow, well, speaking of tractor pull, I know all three of us are playing to head down back down to the farm show today, and uh, we're going to go. Uh, I think Jonathan's going at lunchtime. Where they have the diesel trucks at lunch? I I think so. I think so. And then uh, me and Gavin are head down for tonight's show. Uh, for the track championship trackers, so that's one of the fortunate things living where we are. They've got this big farm machinery show. National farm machinery show. Don't know. It's been going on since Wednesday this mm -hmm. past week. They've been having the show. Everybody comes out. Uh, all the manufacturers and everybody you've never even heard of uh, come out, show their stuff, and then at night they got these truck and tractor pulls going on. And so we uh. Made it to the show. Colt and I made it to the show earlier this week, but are going to the pool tonight. Jonathan's going at noon. So it's a pretty good little deal. Yeah, and uh, pretty neat, pretty neat. If you ain't ever been, I mean, there's all kinds of people go to that thing. People that ain't even engaged in agriculture, I think, show up just to see all the big equipment and machinery. And uh, it's pretty neat, especially if you ain't ever been around any kind of thing like that. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy. I know all of us has kind of worked around big equipment before but um if you ain't ever been around big equipment it kind of blows your mind actually the size of that stuff and then to think about that stuff driving down the road and i'm gonna tell you yeah it's just it's as fun as it looks it's not fun at all <laughs> I, that's about the worst thing working when i worked at the farm was moving equipment down the road and the people you have to deal with because no one gives a flying crap about you being there and they just think that you're inconveniencing their day meanwhile you're trying to put food on the table I will say that's one thing. I'll speak highly of Illinois for once in my life. I had a tough wide open road and nobody to run into, wide, and it's flat. You can go yeah. off the road a little bit if you want. It's not half bad. Up there. Yeah, I see them boys that drive the combines down the road with headers on them. And I'm like, y'all just don't understand. Yeah, it's a little different world. You're living the dream. Thank goodness for the twelve row folding corn heads. <laughs> hey, that's right. Hey, that's a game changer right here. Really is. Really is. But. You know, our, our roads here, I guess they're, what, 11 foot wide, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. I know when I haul hay down the road, I, I'm uh, still a peasant, and i got to have the side-by-side, -side, you know, hay hauler. And uh, it's about five-by-five five roads. It's about 11, 12 foot wide, and uh, they still don't give a damn. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it ain't fun. Luckily, I try to stay on the two lanes, and I think that's worse half the time because they – they say, well, if I'm a, on my side of the yellow line, I'm okay. And it ain't just it ain't how it works. So. <laughs> I'm just hoping that oak tree don't jump out and snag you for a mailbox. Yeah. Hey, the best thing is, is when they do try to get out of your way, and bless their heart, I appreciate them trying to get out of my way, but they stop to where you're in between them and a mailbox. And I'm like, I cannot go anywhere. <laughs> It's like, I appreciate it, but it did not help. It's, it's like, <laughs> I appreciate the effort, but if you move forward a little bit, it'll yeah. be okay. Yeah, but... Well, boys, uh, what, what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, well, one, it's kind of weird we're doing this in the morning. I guess this is only, what, the third episode? Yeah, usually we do morning. it at night, I guess, or afternoon. Yeah, so we, we'll we be talking a lot about what's to come today. Yeah. Yes. Um, since we're all going to the polls, different different times, and then 
hopefully, I'm hoping to, to do a little bit with the old pulling mower today. And once again, Colt's giving me directions because I don't know how to podcast. Well, you get loud and then you get quiet and it's just make my life easier if you were just the same. I will say it's probably good we don't have cameras on us because I do fidget. I sit here and I go back. Hey, that is the thing that I want to do. I want to take and set up the room. We're going to get us an old international fender and we're going to get it all set. We're going to have a studio made and we're actually going to video these podcasts. And hopefully by that point I'll I'll settle down. A hopefully, bit. but it might make for good content. There too. we go. There we go. Um, but yeah, so got the stuff coming up today. I guess talk about equipment. That's kind of the day today. Yeah, it's all centered. Around I know uh, Jonathan had a good idea. Jonathan, I call him John. We know him by Jay West, and if anybody that knows Jonathan outside of work knows him by Jay West, and I'm gonna tell a little story real quick about Jay West here before we get into talking about equipment. But there's no I, or this is you going. know, I haven't known Jay West all my life. And uh, I met we met in college and I uh, what was I, a freshman maybe? Yep. Freshman in college and we my roommate was like, Hey, I'm you know, you wanna go out to eat with us, we're gonna go out to eat for my birthday and I think we went to Mexican or something like that. And lo and behold, we get there, I don't know a single person there and I'm a freshman, I'm shyer than I am now. It just, you know, I have a hard time. Shy is an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) Would not hold a conversation with the Walmart greeter guy. (laughs) Well, you know, I got a little bit better. You did. You did. Give me that. Kudos for that. He's now a YouTube star and a podcast star. That's right. Complete 360. I really come out of my shell. But anyhow, so I'm sitting there, and this dude from Eastern Kentucky comes up to me. He's like, are you Colt Bitzer? I said, well, yeah. He's like, I'm Jonathan West. Nice to meet you. And I'm like... Who the hell is this? How does he know me? And ever since then, I, I mean, we've been buddies all through college and now after college. And Jonathan actually started working for the company that we worked for before we did and kind of opened up the idea because I didn't ever know what all was available with them. And he kind of got in there and figured all this stuff out and got me intrigued. And lo and behold, here we are today. So uh, several years of showing cattle and school and classes and everything else so sounds about good yeah well anyhow glad i introduced myself that day at the mexican restaurant sorry (laughs) sorry i was too poor to buy your food (laughs) (laughs) well it's okay today if we went to mexican i'd buy your i'd buy your lunch well i appreciate that jonathan sponsored by you know yours truly (laughs) (laughs) we know who that'd really be sponsored by it's okay j west farm (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think today uh, we want to talk a little bit about equipment and as far as equipment goes, new used equipment, kind of an idea behind what best fits your operation. I know, um, you know, it, it's tempting to go out there and buy a shiny new paint and uh, we've all been there. We all wish we could do that. But I think we need to take a step back and kind of look at what our operation is, is the size of it, the scope of it, where we're planning on taking and just our overall needs to really... Um, keep ourselves out of a hole because I think it uh I think when it comes to equipment that's a easy way to get yourself over leveraged um in your operation and new and used but then I feel like you see people that'll do both or they'll sit there and they'll get uh a lot of new equipment and that that's what gets them or what I think happens more often is you're talking these guys at least in our area that just get happy getting used equipment. They start buying a whole bunch of stuff and just mm-hmm. start buying yeah. all of a sudden before you know it, 
you got a ton of money and a bunch of old iron. Yeah, and that's true. And I, and I think we'll hit on this in a little bit too, but I think uh, the dealerships tend to get people with this uh, 0% interest because I'm going to tell you 0% ain't 0%. No, they're, they're definitely adding that finance charge uh, uh, to your total sales costs there. Nothing's for free. There's always a cash in a finance price, and you can always get the cash price even if you call an external lender. So. Um, I would challenge you next time you're buying a piece of equipment to ask for both those prices. Um, and just to be blunt, a lot of those salesmen are getting kickbacks when you go on zero percent mm-hmm. through um, through their employer's financing group, whether that be Case um, CNH Capital or um, John Deere Financial Kubota, um, etc. I think they all about have their own thing. I was going to say I can tell you from working at the dealership, we were there to help you and we were there to work with you, but we're also there to make money. And if it seems too good to be true, it, it probably, probably is. is at times. Uh, so there's a lot of marketing that goes into that when reality, it costs money to borrow money. Yeah. They, these companies didn't become successful because of giving stuff away. So there's always going to be a motive behind it. Yep. Not saying it's always a bad motive. You know, I say that in the company we work for, obviously finance company, we're here to make money, but we try to work with our customers too and um, be that partner with them and then uh, make money on the flip side of well, that as well. Well, that's the thing is, it's like I said, the dealership, you gotta make money, you're running a business. It's no mm-hmm. different, it's just and being it, upfront it, it and really honest all, with yeah, it, I was gonna say, it comes down to who you work with mm-hmm. and really what, I guess, their motives are. I'm like Gavin said, they're, we're all here to make money, it's just how we gonna go about making that money, so. But, you know, I, I don't ever fault the salesman for it personally, because, um, you know, it's, it's their job to get that product moved and, you know, if the customer's motive is, is cheap financing, I mean, the 0% fits the bill. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's where it comes. We just need to educate ourselves. And as producers, we need to educate ourselves. And I think it gets tough because when it comes to finance, we all kind of have a roundabout idea what two plus two is, but it's pretty deep beyond that, especially when it comes to financing all the different loans and packages and offers that they have. You know, it, it don't take long for that, that water gets muddy and you just kind of just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think that, that in the finance world that there's a lot of loyalty. Um, you mm-hmm. know, the, the people that um, have done business with an individual for a very, very long time, you know, through the thick and thin that have stuck with them, um, they're going to ride the storm with them, even if the interest rate's a little higher. Um, you know, I know um, from experience, uh, a, a lot of customers that I work with or even those that are on my team, um, you know, a lot of guys call us and say, hey, this is what I bought, you know, you know, I can put my 20 down and we good. And, you know, we call the, the underwriters on the backside, get that, get that approved or, you know, decisioned and then um, take on the papers. Don't even ask what the interest rate is because they, they trust at the end of the day that we're doing what's fair by them. And, um, well, in, in my opinion too, if you're successful in your operation, you're, you're keeping your purchases to what your operation actually needs can support. You're going to need equipment. You're going to need to buy things no matter what interest rates are. And so it gets to the point of like, if you're managing right, I think, you know, if you're buying stuff that you actually need for your operation, it really don't matter what your interest rates are just because it's just part of normal operating. You know, you're going to have your highs and you're going to have your lows, just like you're going to have highs and lows in in market prices and everything else. And a uh, viable operation is going to be able to support that. And, And Jonathan hit the nail on the head. It's relationship game because the end of the day, Rates fluctuate, things change, prices of equipment changes. But you're looking at, if you're working with somebody that you trust, they're also gonna be 
you're in the business to make money, but they're in the business to make money too. And you're going to work with them. And they're not going to put you in a spot that, that wouldn't work right. It's the kind of thing where I know I've worked on loans where people come in and they trust us and they say, if this is going to be too much of a strain, I don't want to be living super tight. Let me know what it's going to be. And we'll talk through what it's going to look like. Yeah. That kind of, even if they could afford it, they just want to know too, like what's the reality, what this means. And then on the and flip side that of trust that, that, that loan officer built. And then on the flip side of that, you got people like, what can I afford? Yeah. It's like, well, how far, how far thin do you want to get? Exactly. And if that's what they want to do, then we, we tell them where they're at and we, they, they go and make yeah. it work. And I, and I think that just kind of comes back to you, it, being educated. Yep. And, and, and working with someone you trust. Yeah. If, if, That's the thing. If, if you don't trust who you're working with, there's plenty of other places you can you can work with. You don't yeah. don't limit yourself to, to one dealership or whatever it might be. You know, if you if you don't think that, that that salesman's got your best interest, there's other options out there. Yeah. But and then and equipment, it's easy to get yourself worked up too. I mean, I think we're all sitting here. We don't oh, want to be yeah. out there <laughs> riding something cool. I don't. I live on half an acre, and I'm, half my marketplace is looking at tractors. <laughs> and so I, I I completely agree. I I live in a, a townhome in downtown Springfield, and uh, I know that I drive my wife nuts. I'm like, hey, can we go look at this farm? What about this farm? Like, is it okay if I buy a tractor? Where are you going to put the tractor? I don't know. I guess in somebody's barn. Well, Jonathan, I'm going to tell you right now. Anytime you buy something, you can feel free to bring it over here. I'll use it, get the dust off of it. Well, I think I think my younger brother, Jonah, probably beat you to the punch. I told him I was wanting to buy a 4430. I'm said, a little bit closer to you. Well, yeah, he, he said, I'll, I'll buy a silage chopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll feed her bull silage now. And I'm like, because he, he knows he's tugging at my heartstrings. I've always wanted to put her bulls on a silage base rash in there to try to get some more um, growth and performance out of them. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I'm, I'm right there with you, Gavin. It seems like everything on there is just a dream when it comes uh -huh. to that on marketplace. Um, one of these days we're going to pony up and do something. Hey, I'm here for it now. I'm going to, one of these days I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to do a little more than I'm doing too and kind of expand things out. So I think we're all in the same boat. Um, now I will say I try to keep my mind away from the new stuff because I think I've talked myself out of it. it says it might be nice, but I can't work on that shit. So I'm gonna keep with the old rusty stuff I got. Yeah, and it's it's definitely it's definitely tough being a young guy trying to get in the game. Um, you know, I'm I'm experiencing it now. Um, I live about two and a half hours from where um, I grew up, and uh, my wife, you know, her family is about three and a half hours away. Um, in Western Kentucky. So I'm um, trying to find some land to rent right now to, to raise some soybeans or corn on. And, um, you know, it's it's truly a battle because everybody's got those long-term relationships like we, we spoke about. And, you know, you don't want to go in and, and run people up on bids just to be doing that. So trying to find some sod ground that people are interested in um, and things of that nature is, has been a battle because a lot of those guys you know, they've got those long-term relationships with folks like Colt that want to come mow their hay and that kind of stuff. Oh, I and, wish I had those. Um, <laughs> that, that looked good. It's a struggle for me, too, trying to find hay ground right now. So, you know, with that in mind, if you're if you're listening to this and, and you've got a young guy that's that's trying to get started, give them, some, give them a chance. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a big thing, too. You hit, you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of people are afraid to give the new guy a chance because – I mean, let, let's face it. You're going to make mistakes as, as a new mm -hmm. operator. Even if you're experienced, you're going to make mistakes. And, you know, I think a lot of people get hung up, you know, 
they want somebody that's been doing it, knows what they're doing to come in there and do it. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes the guys that are big and been doing it, they aren't going to take care of it as good as what your new young farmer's going to do. I know I, I try to pride myself on, you know, what little hay ground I have. I go in there, anything I don't cut, I bush hog and try to keep everything cleaned up. And I think that that's gone a long way. And people realize that, you know, if they, you know, let me do, let me do, do it, then I'm going to take care of it. And that's what a lot of people just want. They just want somebody to take care of stuff and keep everything cleaned up and not get in there and tear it all up and throw junk in there and all this kind of stuff. So, and at the end of the day, a lot of times your young guys feel like they got something to prove. They mm -hmm. want to go and earn it. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm going to go show myself. I just need the opportunity. And, and I think, you know, we talk about it's hard to get started without nothing. And, and, you know, I think there's still some first generation farmers out there who are looking to farm full time, but it's tough. And, and I think in today's economy, it's even tougher as we talk about inflation and things like that. Um, it's tough to sit there and go buy all the equipment that you need. It's tough to 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 get that get those relationships started and stuff like that and really honestly it takes a lot of you almost just need a you need an offsetting job or offsetting side of business to help support those startup costs. Yeah, I think anybody starting out has got to be realistic about all right. I'm going to need at least a job. Yeah. To to, to cover things, um, unless you've got something that falls in your lap a little bit better it helps to just have that supplemental income that you can count on you at least got to have i know there's been a couple guys that you know they've worked with maybe older farmers or something like yeah. that and they've kind of handed that down to them and and even then you know that that goes a long way just to just having that that wisdom and knowledge from that older older generation to to, to bring down to you and get you started. Yeah, there's definitely circumstances where it doesn't work out that way, but in general, having that W-2 income goes a long way while you're starting out. Um, and it's tough because we, we talk about getting too heavy in equipment and we talk about how easy that is, but the reality is too, you gotta have equipment to make money. Well, I, I think that from my perspective, I think that there's some ways that we can get around that, but you know, ultimately it's going to cost you more on your, on your variable expenses. Mm -hmm. You know, when you start looking at your, your custom work and income, yeah. um, you know, for instance, you know, the local co-op might come spray your crop for 10 bucks, right? An acre. Mm -hmm. But that gallon of glyphosate, they're not going to sell it to you for 25 bucks out of that tote. Like they're selling it to, to yep. Johnny on the next ridge over that grows 2000 acres is $48. So, you know, when you're looking at it from that perspective, you're you're losing some efficiencies there, but you're eliminating that cost that way. Um, you know, an, another neat thing that that you can think about that probably what I'm going to do is um, renting the the seed drill from the local co-op to plant my soybeans. You know, most people uh, realize that those hay busters you can plant beans with or wheat, whatever. Um, you know, for around eight nine dollars an acre, you can go rent that. Um, so you know. I'd like to raise just say a hundred acres for nine hundred bucks. I can do that. That's a thirty-five thousand dollar planter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, instead of eighty-five hundred bucks a year as a principal and interest payment, why not pay the nine hundred bucks and roll on? And you know, if if something were to happen to it or it wears out, you know, with those wear parts, I mean, ultimately it's not your responsibility. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're still going to get a good sand and all that stuff. Um, you know, I I think we're very fortunate here in you know this part of the state. Um, you know, if a young guy wanted to get started with some non-GMO corn, um, 
he or she has a, a heck of an opportunity with all the distilleries here. Um, I know those guys are always looking to buy and, um, you know, um, Peterson Farms down there at Loretta Grain, you know, they're constantly buying that non-GMO corn. Um, and, you know, you can save a lot of trucking from having to take it across the river to get it to a barge. Yeah, and I, th I you know, that's that's a big thing. We talk about, too, I think when starting out is, you know, we, we, hit, the, we hit on kind of don't be chasing a new paint, but I think, I think the important thing is if you can, the, there's a big advantage in being able to work on equipment. Mm -hmm. If you, you don't even have to, you don't have to be a mechanic. You just got to be willing, I think. And I know that's what helped me a lot is in my previous job and growing up, you know, we didn't have, we had a bunch, of, we always had used equipment and stuff. And even the, the newer stuff that we had when I worked at the farm, you know, we didn't have a, a, paid mechanic that came out and worked on stuff every time it broke down you know we were our own mechanics we were there something broke down in the field we figured it out we we grabbed the welder started welding torching doing whatever we need to do finding parts you know figuring out what was wrong and um i think if you're just willing to do that you're going to go a long way because it ain't cheap to have someone come out and work on something no and so if you're going to have breakdowns. You're going to have breakdowns whether you buy used equipment or new. And I'm going to tell you right now, that older used equipment's a lot easier to work on. A whole lot easier. And it, it's the kind of thing, I feel like the more I've been around it, the more I've learned that everybody started not knowing what they were doing. They just got into it and then figured it out. Turns out you get something tore apart. You're going to figure out how to put it back together because you have to. Yeah. And so that, that, there's no magic science to it. That's that's what it is. Is you just get going and go. And these, you know, online forums, you know, tractor forums, YouTube. <laughs> I mean, you can find anything, man. I'm pretty yeah. sure that you could learn how to change the oil in a Tesla on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I love those online forums. You go back. We talked about that on. Oh, Gavin's an old man now. He's got an account and everything on. Well, on our old uh, the old International Cup Cadet, I'm on the forums for that. Because you go back and you can find out little modifications people done, how they figured something out, and it's like they post it in 2007. It's like it's it's as relevant then as it is now. Everybody so, likes to brag. You just got to find where they're bragging. Uh, mm -hmm. So For those sure. those forms are, are a little honey hole. Uh, but yeah, I found out you have to make an account sometimes and get all the... The, the free accounts, but I felt like an old man signing up for it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, something I I I think that would be good to talk about. You know, when we're talking about equipment, especially when it comes to the row crop sector, um, is these new planter advancements that we're seeing come out. Um, you know, if there's one thing I've learned with working with these large row crop producers is if you don't get that good even emergence and stand, you know, ultimately your, your crops is not going to be there. So, um, if you guys are sitting there looking at, um, what's the next thing to purchase, you know, whether that's a combine, a tractor or a planter, or just even upgrade your planter, um, you know, I would evaluate that and, and probably place a little more stake on that planter because ultimately that's, that's, what's going to bring in your money. Yeah. I, th um, I think you're, you're definitely right there. Jay West, your planter is where it all starts. If, if if you have a good planter that's set up good, you're you're gonna be good when you go to spray. You're gonna be good when you go to combine it. A sprayer can't fix a bad planter, neither can a combine. You know your yields are set. You know obviously weather's a factor, but everything else you can control. And I think that's where it starts as a good planter. Now with that being said, 
you ain't got to go depending on and we talked about this depending on the size of your operation is don't go out there and spend two hundred thousand dollars on the brand new john deere planter you know if you're starting out with a couple hundred acres don't be scared to go with that older or that older planter that's tried and true old school technology now does it have row shut off and Delta precision, force. precision yeah. down force, force, force and whatever it might be yeah everything you Do know too. you got to think about obviously those things are good and they've proven themselves and you got to realize too that you know five, 10 extra bushels an acre on 200 acres is a lot less than 10 bushels an acre on 2000 acres mm-hmm. so you got you got to remember that you depend on your size of operation those extra features and even when it comes to other parts of precision agriculture it might not pay for you to do that what compared to your neighbor down the road that runs 2,000 acres, what it might pay off for them. And I think I'm, y'all are hitting on it. And that's the thing that you're getting a bias if you're listening to us on the, the young guy that doesn't have any money and is trying to get their start. But it definitely pays and the stuff that they come out with, these, these equipment manufacturers and the technology they're putting into stuff gets you more yields. Like it does. Like that, there's, there's something to it. And... The difference is the equipment costs the same, whether you're farming 15,000 acres or 150 acres. And so you just gotta be mindful of what your operation is and what stage you're in in that operation and what makes sense for you because an extra four bushel an acre doesn't pay on 150 acres. So. Yeah, and also you, when, if, when you do go to add enough, you know, whether you're, you're applying different type of fertilizer or you're applying micro nutrients foliar stuff whatever it might be you can throw every single thing in the book on that crop it's going to yield what it's going to yield and it might yield good but you got you got to think about it. you got to find out where your where your shut off is you can't go throwing all the money in the world at every single application and expect that to pay off you know there's a point there where it's going to quit paying for itself and so I think that's something that younger people or even, you know, even some of your farmers that might have been in it for a while, they're chasing bushels and they want to get the, you know, the best yield they can get so they can go tell everybody they got 300 bushel corn. Well, they might get that 300 bushel corn, but guess what? They probably lost money compared to the guy with the 200 bushel corn. Yeah, there's there's diminishing returns on chasing yields. At a certain point, you're no longer making money. You're spending too much money. And that is something, well, we're obviously pretty biased because we all work the same place, but that's something that I do think, at least on an underwriting side, a lot of times we get told, we, we say, we say yes or no. And I make that joke and it's just either a yes or no. But that's something that when we get good financial information and we work with somebody, you, you've been bringing it to your loan officer, you trust your loan officer, you, you feel comfortable showing what you've got, tax returns, historical information. We can look at that and kind of help give you an idea too of where you're at. And we can just put that picture and put words to it on something that can be complex to help you make decisions when you're trying to decide. Because every operation is different. We've jumped all over just in this, however long we've been talking about, well, if you got a big operation or you got a small operation or you got this or you got that. And that's because we see them all. And that's like, it really depends on where you're at, what you got going for you, your strengths, your weaknesses. And, um, you start digging into that, you can find out like, am I putting too much input in? I'm getting good yields. I see the yields, but why do you feel like I'm not making money? It's like, well, if you dial back a bit, yields may drop, but you may profit more. 
So it, it really just depends and, and you got to get a good idea what your operation is and make sound choices for where you're at and being realistic about where you're at. And you, you go ahead, John. Oh, you're good. But uh, I was going to say uh, along those lines, I, I think that it's imperative to ensure that you have a, a good crop insurance agent that partners mm -hmm. with you. Um, you know, especially starting out, you know, you got to take those T yields or county mm -hmm. averages. Um, and so understand your break even cost and determine what level of coverage that you need to buy to ensure that you don't go backwards. You know, um, we preach it all the time that that working capital is the easiest way to, you know, overcome that short term adversity. Um, so, you know, to preserve that, you have to ensure that you're breaking even because um, ultimately, if you don't break even, guess what? You still got to pay your input suppliers. Mm -hmm. You still got to pay John Deere. You still got to pay your local lender. Um, so, you know, just ensuring that the numbers work. And if the numbers don't work, figure out why they're not working. You know, talk talk to that mentor that you've got um, and ask them what they're doing. Um, you know, sure, the guy next door is running everything precision planning. But guess what? When he quit tobacco 15 years ago, he was running that Kinsey 2600 just like you are today. Um, and he probably knows it just as well, if not better than you do. Um, you know, something something else that I've seen some young guys do that I think make a lot of sense, um, you know, when these guys are, are re rebuilding their planters now, pretty much the only thing that they use is the bar. I mean, that's it because, you know, they're using electric drives, they're putting new, all new parallel arms, new units, new everything. Um, you know, work with, find your local precision dealer or ag leader dealer and say, hey, you know, when these guys are selling their old precision parts that you can buy for a fifth of the cost, mm -hmm. you know, if you do want to use that technology, it's out. Sure, it's old. You know, air clutches have been out for 25 years, but, you know, that's going to save you on your on your seed cost because of yep. the overlap. Um, you know, so don't don't be afraid to go with that older stuff like that. Mechanical, in my opinion, is always better. But, you know, if, if that's the way that you want to go, there's there's some options out there. Um, and you know, again, I, I think it just boils down to having a good relationship and understanding the cost because, you know, we all love to farm. It's, it's, it's great, but ultimately at the end of the day, if we're not making money, I know my wife's not going to be happy. Colt, your wife's not going to be happy. And Gavin, I know your wife's not going to be happy. And I'd venture to say that you, the listener, your husband or wife is not going to be happy if you're not making money farming. So exactly. And I, I think, you know, everything we've touched on, it just boils down to one thing, and that's record keeping. And I know that we, we've hit on many different subjects that we can, you know, branch off and talk about on, on future episodes and stuff, but it is simple to get you an Excel sheet and write down all your expenses, write down all your income, know where you're at. It is not hard. It, you don't even have to be proficient in, any, in, in working in Excel. It's easy just to jot down. And then you know how many acres you're running. You know how, what your cost per acre is going to be. And as long as you keep a keep a steady list of all expenses and income, you will be fine. You'll know where your break even is going to be, and you're going to know how much money you're going to you're going to be making at the end of the day. And that gives you room to know. Well, can I throw another five dollars an acre in this, and perhaps maybe get another couple bushels out of it? And will it make sense for you to do that? That's the thing, too, because if you can do that good record keeping, you can start making those decisions. It's not that you can't take risk and you can't grow. We're all here for taking risk and for growing. I think that's what we just talked about on our mind this whole time 
is we're like, how do we grow next and what do we do next? And so we're all for taking that risk. It's just putting yourself in the situation to make the right choice. Cause there's a lot of choices out there with a lot of risk. Find out where you're at, what makes sense for you. And that good record keeping lets you know, I mean, we've got a bunch of people right now. Prices have been good the last few years. Yields around up have been good. They've been able to build some working capital. It's not to just sit there and say, that's what I need as much as me as a credit guy may be like, I'd love that. I don't want to see it go. It's okay to use some of that too. If you're in a position to try to grow your operation, as long as you can manage that risk and say, I've still got this here. I've still got this offset. What's my next decision. And then you can be the guy that Jay West is talking about that was running the Kinsey planner 15 years ago and is doing new stuff now. It's because it's calculated risk over time to grow. Key word there, calculated risk, Gavin, because, you know, I like to say that no one, no one makes money without taking risk, but you got to have calculated risk. I think if we, uh, if we weren't taking calculated risk, we'd be the new owners of a, of a, uh, drone sprayer right That's now. That's a great so. example of it. Colt and I were all worked up this week. Oh yeah, we've been that. thinking about it. We went down to the farm show Wednesday and by Thursday morning we done had a plan and crunching numbers and trying to figure out how we could pay for this drone sprayer and go out and custom app, do some custom application and stuff like that. And I think we kind of dialed ourselves back there from, yeah. from thinking about that just because of uh, the risks associated with that and how um, we're not sure that for us and what we've got going on, how, that that'll work out. Yeah, but it also, you know, it's one of those things you got to be thinking about it. You got to be looking for it. And you got to be ready for the opportunity when it's right. And That's that right. wasn't right for us. But I like to think, hopefully, there may be something yeah. in the future that we're able to grow and for sure. Risk on. For sure. As a as a young farmer, I think if if you are loaded with some equipment payments, um, you know, I I think that there is opportunity to to work with other farmers to do some custom work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, sure, you're going to run more bushels through your machine or um, over more acres with your bearings, but, uh, you know, ultimately trying trying to get that stuff paid for as quick as you can. Um, you know, if you've got the time and the work effort, I, I think it'll pay dividends to help that guy out, um, you know, whether that's monetary um, or just down the road when, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're, you know, when your road breaks on your combine, yeah. you know, you're going to have to call somebody to say, Hey man, I got to get this bean crop up. I think that's a good thing. And, and that's where, you know, I think especially where we're at, we kind of live in smaller towns and we, we know our neighbors and stuff like that. And I think that comes out to a lot. Um, I've got good neighbors have helped me out and I'm here to return the favor if they ever need something. Um, now, obviously, you know, I've been kind of like Johnson said, I've been kind of, you know, debating on, well, if I buy a new baler, can I do some custom work to make that payment? And, uh, you know, that's always running through my mind. And I know there's people around here that do a lot of custom bailing and stuff like that. And so now I'm kind of in the point of, well, can I make that work? Because to me, you know, if you can, if you can make your payment by doing some custom applications or custom uh, bailing or harvesting, whatever it might be, or supplement that payment, well, that just gives you ammunition to to buy that buy into that newer stuff that maybe you're not going to have to work on as much. Um, that will not only allow your operation to benefit from you, but uh, allow you to benefit from too. And you're growing your balance sheet and ultimately yeah. mitigating the amount of taxable income you have. That's right. Um, which I say that softly. I think <laughs> I think that there are some folks that go to the extreme with uh, mitigating their taxable income when it comes to depreciation and equipment costs. 
Um, so I would just I would just caution you there all, to, to all take I'm it easy. Say is don't spend a dollar to save fifty cents if it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I that's after two years at the dealership. I mean, trust me, it's nice when you got guys coming in like you know made made a good crop this year. Probably ought to spend some money. You don't want to pay taxes on that. And uh, but no, nah, it and there's times when you need to grow and you need to buy something to to keep your operation going and growing. And it's nice to be able to appreciate that. But if your reason to buy something is to mitigate taxes, you got to start asking: Is that the only reason I'm doing this? Because maybe it doesn't make the most sense. And I, I think that again, here I go. Uh, I think it'd be good for you to have a relationship with a tax planner. Mm-hmm. Notice I didn't say a, a tax doer, a tax, yeah, planner. a tax planner. You know, uh, a good accountant that will work with you and look at your profit and loss statement to help understand those things and your depreciation schedule to understand what's going to roll off when it rolls off yeah. and why. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, probably the, the best thing to do, in my opinion, to mitigate those taxes is to prepay your inputs for the next year. Um, spend spend money that you are going to have to spend. Yeah, you got to spend it regardless. Yeah. You know that it, it would have sucked this year if you would have bought fertilizer in December because um, you know it, it was higher than what it is today. But ultimately, if you save some money on taxes, it's not as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just affects that bottom line. But ultimately, knowing that you've got that prepaid for that year, and then when you do have that bad year, you've already bought it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it might take you a minute to, to figure out what I'm saying there, but once you stew on it, it, it makes sense because when you're when you're taking that money and, and placing it in this year for next year, that when you do have the bad year, you don't have to prepay because you're at a wash. Mm-hmm. Then the next year you start fresh. Um, and that's the importance of building up that working capital too. So that those years that you have the bad year, you still got money to pay for that stuff. Absolutely. And um, you know, another thing that I would just say is talking about bad years, call your lender. I mean, there's so many things that, that your lender can do, servicing actions, you know, working um, with extensions or, or what have you. Um, you know, me as a lender, I'm not out to come get your farm, your equipment, your cows or your crops. I'm I'm there to collect your payment and, you know, see that you're a successful farmer or rancher and ensure that, you know, your legacy lives on to that next generation. So be upfront and honest. I mean, there's there's no penalty for that. You know, we don't mark your file red or something, you know. I mean, like, it's it's nothing like that. Well, I mean, that's the thing is if you're struggling and you tell them that, hey, I had a bad year, we can pl- help you plan for that. Because if you don't tell us for three years that you've been upside down and we don't realize that because what you know you haven't communicated that with us because you know maybe you haven't come in for new money or anything we haven't looked at your finances then it's too late you know we can't it's hard to turn help you get turned back around when it's too late like that you need to be up front and communicate that and, and put your ego aside because i know it's it's always tough to to, to tell people when you aren't doing good or you're in a bad spot, but you know, sometimes you just got to put your ego aside and you just got to, you got to do what's best for you and your operation and no one can help if they don't know. And that's where, if we've said it once, we've said it a thousand times today, but relationships and trust is key because if you get in with a lender that you can trust like that and that you can work with like that, it's going to be that much better. And we're obviously, I think the world where we work and we've not said it, but, um, 
I feel like we work with our uh, our customers really well. And I think that we partner with them and we want to see them succeed. We're not out there trying to collect. If, if we're collecting, we consider that a failure. Yeah, and, sure. And so that's not, some, that's not something we want to do. I know sometimes we ask for a lot of information, but the big thing is too, we're looking to see, do you have options? If something goes south, how can we, what, what, how could we work with you if something goes south to, so that you still can be pursuing what you want to do, keeping your business going? Let's just make sure we got options and make sure you know what you're getting into. And when you come in, it's not the end of the world. Farming, there's years that are great. There's years that are bad. We know that. We work with you through that. We don't, we don't want anything to go south for you. And so that's, that's where that honest and trust piece and not every lender is the same. I like to think most people are out there to do good, but there's also people chasing a dollar. And so just be careful, make sure you trust the person you're working with when you do it and, and pick that person more, more so than even your interest rate at times. If yeah. somebody gives you a line of credit and asks you no questions about what you're going to do with it whatsoever, they don't have your look out. Yeah. Look that's, out. That's yeah. a red flag. Yeah. Look out. Because ultimately those folks are looking that, hey, I've got this depository money sitting in my bank that I need to pay these CD holders 3% or, mm-hmm. you know, 3.5%. So I'm going to loan it out to you at 6.5%. So if you've got it all out, it makes their interest easier to cover to pay back to their stockholders. So, um, you know, not to say that there there are instances where, you know, people's net worths and their income warrant a line of credit that, who gives a shit what they do with it? But, you know, starting out being a young farmer, you know, if somebody's just like, hey, here it is, you know, mm-hmm. probably probably watch out because I think you could end up with some frozen operating debt pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And then once that happens, it depletes the majority of your working capital. And then you're looking at term outs and yeah. restructures and not good. Yeah. And, and I think a word of wise to any, even some existing operators but especially new new farmers and stuff like that you know we we've had some good years in in the especially the crop industry um you know the past few years uh even with you know good good grain prices and government subsidies and things like that and i think we're headed for a downturn here shortly um and that's something that if you hadn't prepared yourself for and you just see that oh i'm making this amount of money every year i I, i'm gonna spend it all you're going to you're going to find yourself in a year where it's not so great and next thing you know you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay down your operating line and so just because you you make money don't mean you have to spend it and uh just because you got that large credit and commitment amount on that line of credit don't mean you uh need to spend it for whatever you want to spend it for um at the end of the day that's got to get paid back and if you're if you don't have the funds to pay that back and that gets rolled over to the next year well you just got to work twice as hard to pay it off the next year um, so it's easy. It's easy to get upside down um, if you're not good with managing your money and and don't uh, <laughs> don't see that that seven bushel seven dollar bushel corn and think oh oh boy what new paint can I buy next year kind of thing. So you know something that I would say is a, I think is a good move right now is uh, most of your um, investment group type businesses your Edward Jones your local banks your credit unions. Um, their CD and depository rates are really good right now, over 4%. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that's a good opportunity, you know, when you're starting to roll this grain and your, your debt falls, your debt is paid off on your operating note. Um, you know, if you're going to preserve that working capital to, 
hey, go over there and draw 4%. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if you're sitting on 100,000 bucks, you know, why not make four grand? I mean, it's four more than you had. I mean, it sits there and it'll be there for you next year in case something were to go south. Um, and sometimes that helps to get it out of your line of sight. It does. Because, you know, if you're sitting there staring at your checking account and you got X amount of dollars and you're like, man, I got X amount of dollars to spend. Well, if you transfer half of that over to your savings account, well, then you uh, are more like of saying, well, I don't have X amount of dollars to spend no more because <laughs> you're just not looking at it. It's not in front of your face. And it helps just knowing like, if you're sitting here saying, I got the opportunity to make money, well, at least you can be like, I'm making money doing this. I'm not, it's not sitting there. I think that's hard to do too. If you got cash in the bank like that, it's like, what am I, I'm missing opportunities. I got to make mm -hmm. something happen. That's a sound way to make sure you're making something happen uh, and still have that liquid asset to, to work with. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I think it's, it's obviously one of those things just sitting here talking about all these different things you've got and have to understand your operation for when we talked about this podcast and what we were going to talk about today, we talked about equipment and we talked about, we want to see to like just general ideas of what makes sense. And the further we've gone in this, the more I'm sitting here thinking there's rough ideas we use, but it is so dependent on what you're it doing. It really is. It and, all that matters size and scope of your operation. And so build those people around you that see the see a bunch of things. I know I get to see four states come in and uh, operation the different size, scales, strengths, weaknesses, somebody that inherited a bunch, somebody that started from scratch. Um, work with those people and and try to figure out what's been successful and what can be successful for you and one thing that i think is cool and just makes me feel better about some of the jobs that we do and one of my favorite things about my job the way i look at success is when i've worked on a customer and he comes back next year better and he's growing his operation and you feel like you built right there with him and you get to do that it's not how many dollars did I get done? All that stuff. It's, hey, this guy, I knew him when he was doing this and look at what he's doing today. We want to see you grow. We want to see that. It's just being smart about it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like I said, I think we hit on a lot of good things today. Um, obviously, we might not have talked about equipment as much as what some people might have thought we were headed in that direction to talk about. But really, I think the, the whole idea around today and, and equipment, thing, the equipment sense of things is, you know, I, I look at myself, I've got two tractors that are from the 70s and 80s sitting down at the barn. I've got a hay baler that I don't even know how old it is, paint's faded on it. I've got a hay cutter that you won't see anybody around here still using. But I will say that the only thing I make a payment on it's one tractor, and it's getting ready to be paid off. It's easy. I can work on it. Heck, Gavin, you've been with me. We've had that thing split apart and then 50 million pieces, and I put it back together, and she's running again. So he, he can work on it, but it's not because he knows how to work on no, it. No, it's just because I just can figure it out as it goes. It's because I, I, uh, I'm willing to try He's got it. a set of sockets and some box wrenches <laughs> and, and a pair of ice grips. Don't forget about that. The ice grips are a game changer. Yeah, After uh, hanging around Colt yeah. for any length of time, I decided I needed to get me a pair of them. Yeah. Do you yeah. have the holster too? I don't have the holster. They okay. just sit in my pocket. You're yeah. going. You're going to have to work on those. You're going to have to get those. Are you? Are you? Oh, 
bringing out the vice out. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Look there. at that red turnkey on the end. That's That's, right. that's, that's pretty. Fancy. See that? Oh, are those vice grip? You can stick a. Uh, a those are Milwaukee in there. Those, really cranked down. Wow, those are Milwaukee. Oh, Milwaukee. I, now I will say With the torque lock. I will say you got to get which those are those are really good vice grips. I will say that they're pretty close to what actual vice grips look like. But I have some. I've had some knockoff vice grips and they ain't worth a shit. But uh, these actually look really good. These look almost just like vice grip brands. All right. Yeah. So here's here's the real question: channel locks or vice grips? Vice grips all the way. Channel locks have their because obviously. Well, I don't have a big set of vice grips now. If I did, it would be a different story. But channel locks have their have their moments. And it depends on what brand they are too. Because I'm just telling they you, some of the name brand. Yeah. Yep. When it comes to pliers, now sockets, I'll, I'll use a Harbor Freight socket any day. Oh, they've got the lifetime warranty. Hell yeah! Oh, so bring bring them out right with the, bring them out with your impact and That's take them right. back. Hey. Throw it in a bucket and give you a new one. I'm, I'm just gonna say something. Everyone cringes at using a silver socket for an impact. I, after all these years, I just now own a set of impact sockets only because I got them for Christmas. And I've never broke one. I've always used impacts. But that's just, <laughs> but that's just me. That's just me. But anyhow, getting back on topic of what I was talking about the tractors for getting put out as fire scripts, um, <laughs> it just comes back to being, being willing to work on stuff and just knowing I don't have that much going on. I don't need $100,000 in equipment debt. It is not suitable for my operation or my size or whatever it might be. I get by just fine with my old hay beller, old hay cutter, and old tractor. And when something breaks, I work on it. They're easy to work on. I ain't got to pull out the laptop to do it. And at the end of the day, it's almost all paid off. And uh, I'll be equipment debt free. And then I'll be looking for something else that I can buy to benefit from. Hopefully it's skid steer. Because I really want one of those. Be pretty sweet. They're yeah. pretty pricey though. They are pricey, but good Lord, you can use them for anything except from belling hay, it seems like. Man, I I just assume have a little four wheel drive front loader okay, tractor. Okay, now well I'm gonna say I now I borrowed my father in law's little Kubota tractor down there. It's about thirty horsepower, four wheel drive to loader. It's small, but I'm gonna tell you it's dang near perfect. If it was thirty horsepower more, yeah, but sixty horse, I would try to buy it from him. Yeah, because I'm looking for something that is about sixty horsepower with loader and four wheel drive that can cut and rake hay. And I can leave my big tractor hooked up to the hay baler, sell my other big tractor because I won't need it no more. And it would be perfect. And it could move hay, rake hay, cut hay, do everything I need to do. Um, now, I will say I use the shit out of that little Kubota down there as far as cleaning up, you know, cleaning the hay, the hay feeder up, cleaning whatever it might be, and uh, taking hay out. And uh, I'm telling you, a loader comes in handy, but a four-wheel drive loader comes with a hefty price tag too. So they are the most popular they tractor like in Kentucky, yeah, um, yeah. and in West Virginia and all surrounding states. Yeah. So it's uh, <laughs> you it's, have been shopping, have you? <laughs> I, I have. I have. Are you saying we need to take a road trip, maybe to some crop and to some road crop country? No, where they don't use them as much. Well, I think with with the internet and the way that everything's modernized, I mean. Used to, you could get a good deal, be driving. I'll never forget it. There was one time in Bowling Green um, when I was working at Western, and I'll say this and I'll shut up. Uh, I was driving down to CPC. I was taking a load of cabs, and there was a, a John Deere 6300 and a 15-foot batwing sitting on the side of the road. So I guess this was probably 2018, 2019. 
Um, so, you know, Facebook Marketplace has been around, but it hadn't been like booming like it is Craig's today. List was still the Craigslist was the man. Hey, I still shop on Craigslist, too, I will say. Yeah, I, I think Craigslist is good, but since they started charging the list titled vehicles, I think it's gone downhill pretty yeah. quick. But uh, so I'm driving down the road, John Deere 6300 with the Batwing Bush Hog, and I'm like, man, I ought to stop and look at that, right? And uh, so anyways, I, I just didn't do it because I was just like poor, you know, poor farmhand managing the beef cows at Western. I think I made like 24 grand, like gross, yeah. not even yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm over here huffing it on, you know, Mountain Dews and banquet meals. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I get home that evening and I'm scrolling on Craigslist and I see it. They wanted $25,000 for that tractor, four-wheel drive front loader and the 15-foot batwing bush hog and i called that number and i was like dude i'll take it yeah. i didn't have twenty five hundred dollars to my name <laughs> and i just called my dad i was like dad i need 25g he's like all right what is it we'll get it and like not a big deal we'll buy it and so this guy's just like well whoever gets here first with the money that tractor had sat on the side of the road for two months nobody stopped to buy it mm. the night he put it on craigslist it sold somebody drove from tennessee Handed that man twenty five grand in cash, and I'd venture today to say that if I had that tractor and bush hog parked at the end of Colt's driveway here, I could probably get forty grand for it. I wouldn't doubt. That's usually how it how it works out. I um, it doesn't seem like you know it used to be too. You could go to auctions and whatnot, and you could find a good deal. Hell, now there's so many junkies out there trying to trade equipment and thinking they're going to get a good deal on something. They pay way more than it's freaking worth. Um, they'll pay two. They'll pay whatever. I don't know how much a hay spear is worth these days. Two hundred fifty, three hundred dollars, brand new. Well, gosh damn, they'll pay five hundred for one that's bent. So. And then eight dollars for the rest rust paint. Yeah, that, yeah. That always is a scary thing. If you go up, go to a place and you see paint and it it's clear they just painted right over. That's get out. I, I think my favorite one is when they paint rims on tractor tires and it's on the tire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I now, do. I will say we used to, uh, you paint rims, it makes it look a whole lot nicer. So we used to paint rims uh, on the sprayers we would sell when we get a real used one in. And we did it right. You know, we didn't get on the tire, but you could always tell because on the hub, there would, it would come out. And if, if you could see where it would come out, you knew that that had been repainted. So that was always your sign, but it makes it look nice. Do do some paint, tire shine those tires. You can make it look real good. Farm, it. Farmers like shiny things. Yeah. The, everybody says farmers' wives like shiny things. Farmers are just as guilty when it comes to iron. I, I will insane. say it shocks me if you get a pressure washer and some tire shine. You, you can do, make something. I, you'll make I, you, money. You, like you money. take you take my eighty six down there that's faded from the sun, and you go over there with some polish. She'd shine right up. Yeah. That, well, that, well taken care there's of. A, Look at how nice it is. There, there's a good color underneath that fade. So yeah. get that get that layer off. Now the rust, we just have to let that be. But <laughs> <laughs> we we can we could turn her red again. Yeah, you talked about those guys trying to buy and jockey equipment and things. Not that I've never thought of doing that. Well, you've but. got your, well, okay, I'll tell you, you've got your good job. You've got your people who are actually in the business to do it. Yeah. And then you've got your people who are just there to, to raise their hand. The people that show up at every auction, I know them too. They raise their hand, they raise the price on everything, they don't buy nothing. <laughs> that reminds me one time <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, 
we raised Charlie cattle and we'd always go to the production sales and my dad, he would have a limit. Like, this is how much money I'm going to pay for mm -hmm. a cow today. And he would go through and rank them. And there's this one sale, I mean, cattle were selling, I mean, I think he said his limit like 4,500 bucks for a pair is what he was going to spend. And I mean, he bid on like 20 of them, like bam, 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 bam. And then finally one come through that was pretty high on his list. It just fell, you know, down in the sale order and he got it. And the auctioneer said, well, he, he bid a hundred thousand, but only took 4,000 to take one home. <laughs> She's going funny. to Marvel, boys. There we go. That's funny. Uh, good, uh, good stuff. Yeah. But I, I think that, I think that ultimately, um, you know, like you say, the equipment deal. Um, and, you know, if you're trying it out, don't be scared to reach out to a neighbor and, and ask them, say, hey, man, can can I lease your tractor? Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think that that's, there's anything wrong with that. I mean, the worst they can say is no. Um, and if they tell you no, call the dealership up. They probably got a used tractor sitting on the lot that would work, um, but they'll lease to you by the hour. Um, so, you know, if, if you're, if you're treading lightly, you know, maybe, maybe on a one year, you know, like lease agreement with your, with your landlord, you know, try something like that to start. Um, you know, especially if you get ahead, um, with no equipment payments, you've got your, you know, your down payment for that tractor, planter, combine, whatever it might be. Um, and I will say too, you know, um, these retirement auctions are becoming more and more of a thing. Um, but I think genuinely these farmers that have worked the land and, you know, their children that have seen their, their parents and themselves pour their blood, sweat, and tears into the dirt um, would much rather see a young guy that's passionate about it mm -hmm. um, be able to purchase that equipment. Um, and, you know, most of the time those guys are, are in a spot where they can probably carry you on it um, to help them mitigate some taxes. So, you know, I, I also wouldn't be scared to just, you know, go talk to those guys and, and ask those questions, you know, if, 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 if you can come to an agreement um, if they'd be willing to, to carry you on it. Cause, um, you know, I mean, if you can pay on the same amount of interest that what it's going to make sitting in the bank, um, you know, I think that they're probably going to give you that farmer the benefit of the doubt. I know I certainly would. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, it's all good points and I think we hit on a lot of good stuff today. And I think at the end of the day, be a good, be a good manager, be a good record keeper. Don't get, don't get over your head and whatever it might be just be smart about it and, and build good relationships build good relationships find somebody you trust find a mentor if you're new um and at the end of the day just we all we all want we all want as much as we can get but just be smart about it and be write everything down and know what you got into it and know what you can do and you're going to find yourself growing a lot faster doing it that way than trying to go all in and buy all your equipment and go neck deep in debt with that and yeah. make choices so that you're farming in 30 years and not just in one year. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and like J Jay West pointed out, if, if this is something that you don't know really, if you're going to, you know, be doing a year after year, look at those options to where if you decide in a year you want out of it, you're not sitting on a bunch of equipment that you're not using and trying to sell and still making payments on. So, well, I think we hit on a lot of good good things today. And I, I know there's a lot of stuff that we can expand on in future episodes. Um, we appreciate Mr. Jonathan West hanging out with us this morning. 
and uh, being our first official guest on the fender. Truly honored. Hey, <laughs> we uh, we appreciate it. I think I think it was good. We hit a lot of good good stuff today. Yeah, it was nice having a third person in here. It help was. Carry some of this. Yeah, help keep us on track. Yeah, keep us on track. <laughs> keep me and Gavin from rambling about my bathroom and all that stuff. I was gonna say sometimes when Colton and I just sit here and we get we get uh rambling. Yeah, well, we try to fill the time, you know. So. But no, we we do appreciate it. We hope y'all enjoyed it. We appreciate y'all riding on the fender with us today as we talk about, you know, just some things that operators, you know, be good for y'all to look at. So hopefully some of it's valuable and uh, hopefully y'all tell your friends about us. We're trying to work on growing the podcast and don't get check out my YouTube channel. Um, I, I just posted a new video not too long ago. So it's good stuff on that. And uh, yeah, so with that being said, like I said, appreciate y'all riding on the fender with us today. And we will catch you on the next episode. See y'all. Thanks.